Good evening, church. Um, as Landon mentioned a while ago, we are done with Hebrews and now moving into the book of James. And I'm excited about the book of James and excited to be up here preaching with y'all, uh, preaching to y'all today. So as Landon mentioned a while ago, um, we've been coming to Emmanuel for about three years now. And during that three years, some of y'all have learned some things about me. One of those things you might have learned about me is that James is my absolute favorite book in the Bible. In fact, my boy Corey knows this to be true. Um, I was getting ready to preach in Philippians up in youth a few months back. And Corey looked at me and said, why are you teaching, bro? We're not in James yet. Corey knows that I love the book of James. Not many people know why I love the book of James, though. Um, James helped me through some trials in my life that was brought on by temptation that I stepped in. And James opens the book talking about trials. Um, but why does he do this? We see in verse 1 of James, he says, this is to the 12 tribes and the dispersions. When James uses the word dispersion, he's referring to the book of Acts, when um, God's people were facing persecution for teaching about Jesus and having faith in Jesus and um, just loving him. Um, they were facing persecution in the form of being locked up, put behind bars. Um, we even see some get murdered for their faith, and they are scattered because of this. So the 12 tribes, they're in a trial. Um, so that's why James opens up talking about trials. In the same chapter, right after writing about trials, James starts writing about temptations. Um, the word, the Greek word used for temptation and trial here, trials here is the same word. Now that don't mean that trials and temptation mean the same thing. Um, but trials and temptation do go hand in hand. Um, you can face trials because of temptations that you walked in, um, like I did, or you can face temptations because of a trial that you are in. Um, so when I first um, talked Lennon in to let me preach out of the book of James, I planned on ending in verse 12. Um, I planned on ending right there talking about trials. But the more I read the text, the more I thought about it, the more I read commentaries, I saw a perfect comparison between trials and temptation. And as Americans, we love to compare things. But we also love to debate things. So for tonight's sake, we can't get comparisons and debate confused. Um, a debate, you're trying to prove why you think something is better than something else. In a comparison, you're just looking at two things side by side, looking at the differences. For example, a debate can be something like, which NFL team is better in the state of Texas? Now, my buddies joked about bringing tomatoes tonight and throwing them at me. Um, if they did, this is when they're going to fly, because I think the Houston Texans are better than the Dallas Cowboys. I know, I know, I just lost half the crowd right there. 
So we can debate this for hours, and I will stand my ground and tell you that the Houston Texans are better and try to prove to you why they are. And most of y'all in this room um, would try to prove, try to prove why the Dallas Cowboys is better. <laughs> now, a comparison is different. My favorite type of comparison is when you see these pictures floating around on the internet of a mom doing something with their kids and then a dad doing something with their kids. And it can look completely different. In fact, my son has a book called Daddies Do It Different. And this whole book is saying how a mommy will brush the kid's teeth or put them to bed and how a daddy will brush the teeth and put the kids to bed. It's different. It's comparing the way they do things. Now, the book does not say one is right or wrong. It's just a comparison. This evening, we'll be comparing trials and temptations. And we'll use our text to see the differences in the two. Um, we're not going to debate on it because when you read the text, it's clear what's better out of trials and temptations. Um, and when we compare the two, we get our big idea of the text, which is trials are intended to pull you towards Christ, while temptations are intended to push you away from Christ. Um, now we'll read our text, and we're going to read James chapter 1, starting in verse 2 down through 15. And James says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That's the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight to gather in the middle of the week and praise you and worship you and bring glory to your name. Um, we thank you for your word, Lord, and um, thank you for uh, allowing us to dissect it and learn about you, Lord, and um, we just pray that we would listen to your word and learn from it and um, apply it to our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
So to compare trials and temptations, we're going to start by looking at what James says about trials. We're going to answer uh, the simple question, what does James teach us about trials? And first, we're going to see that trials are presented with a positive command. Verse 2 says, count all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. When I first read that, I thought of my cousin Teresa. Last year during COVID, she lost her mom, her dad, and her husband all within what seemed like a month span. It was probably even shorter than that. So she is walking through a rough time in her life. Now, it would not have been fair for myself or someone to walk up to her and say, hey, take joy in this trial. Don't be sad. Don't mourn. Don't cry. Um, just move on. And that's not what James is saying here either. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to mourn um, during a trial. But we do know, we do need to know that trials are intended to pull us towards Christ. And that's why James presents it with a positive command. What James is doing when he presents it with a positive command is he's setting us up for what he teaches us next about trials. And that is trials test our faith and produces steadfastness. And that's right out of verse 3. I read it out of ESV and Verse 3 uses the word steadfastness. Other um, translations use the word endurance or perseverance. Um, James is telling us that we need to endure our trials. When I think about this, I think about um, professional athletes. Um, Training for a sporting event is challenging. It's tough. There's going to be days where you don't want to do it. There's going to be good days and bad days, but they look forward to the challenge. They look forward to working out and forward to getting better um, so that they can compete in their sport. Walking through trials is similar. If we never face anything hard, if we never face a trial, then our Christian character would remain undeveloped and untested. Trials give us the endurance and the stamina to stay the course. Paul reiterates this in Romans 5. It says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So Paul says, not only do we rejoice in the hope for the glory of God, but we also rejoice in sufferings, or you can say take joy in trials. We do so because Paul and James tells us that suffering produces endurance and steadfastness, and that steadfastness turns into what James teaches us next about trials, which is trials produce faith, and a life that lacks nothing. Verse 4 says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now let me make this clear. James is not saying if you stay steadfast during a trial, 
you're going to have a life um, where you're not going to need anything or want anything ever again. James is also not saying that you'll be perfect and sinless. James is also not saying that if you endure this trial and stay steadfast, that you'll never have to endure a trial again. Here, James is referring to your faith. Being perfect and complete is only found in faith in God. And if you have that faith in God, then you lack nothing. Um, we talked about this in youth uh, a couple weeks ago. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith. Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. James says trials will grow that type of faith. Uh, life is tough, but that's how you grow. When you face things that are tough in life, you learn from it, you move on, and you get better. Your faith is no different. It grows during your steadfastness under trials. Next, what does James teach us about trials? James teaches us that trials provide an opportunity for God to provide. Now, Landon warned me when we were talking a couple weeks ago that picking such a long passage, I'm not going to be able to say everything I want to say. Um, this is one of those opportunities. I can say a lot from verses 5 through 11, but for the sake of time, we're not going to dive too deeply on that. But I do want you to see how God um, provides or how trials provide an opportunity for God to provide. Starting in verse 5, James talks about the lack of wisdom and asking God um, for wisdom that you lack. And it says that he will provide. But then he goes on to say that you have to ask in faith. Uh, you can't ask God and then doubt him and still assume that God's going to provide for you. Before my wife and I were blessed with that beautiful little girl over there, um, we faced a trial called infertility. And if any of you ever faced the trial of infertility, it is rough. It is challenging, and it will definitely test your faith. Um, during that time, my wife and I knew that God could help us and help us getting pregnant so we prayed to God. We prayed to God for guidance, and we prayed that God would ultimately allow us to get pregnant. Not losing our faith that he would provide when we were praying was the challenge. That was a big challenge. But we kept our faith, and we kept asking, and then in God's timing, he blessed us with a baby. When I think about asking for something in faith, I think about how us as parents and how our parents to us when we were kids are different. I remember one year walking through Walmart with my mom, and it was about Christmas time, and I see this red Lamborghini Countach RC car sitting on this end cap, and I knew I have to have this RC car. I have to have this. So after I laid my eyes on it, I looked up at the end cap, and there was a $98 price tag above that car. And this was about 15 years ago, so that was pricey. Um, so I knew the moment I laid my eyes on it, I had to have it. And I asked for it. My mom is sitting over here. She would probably tell you I begged for it. 
but I didn't. I asked for it, and I asked with zero faith. Um, but my mom, being the mom that she is, she ended up buying this red Lamborghini RC car for me for Christmas. She came through. When we ask God to provide, we have to have faith that he will provide. It's not like asking parents for something like a Christmas present. Um, that's why that point says um, it provides an opportunity for God to provide, because you have to have that faith. Lastly, on trials. What does James teach us about trials? James teaches us that blessing is promised to those who stay, stay steadfast under trial. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. One of the best ways I know how to close out a sermon is to come back and go over my bullet points one more time. Y'all could have been not paying attention. You could have been on your phone. You could have been mad because I made a statement about the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> so James does that here when talking about trials. He talks about being steadfast, um, and he talks about trials being a test, and talks about God providing something for you. And then he says something is promised to you. James says you are promised the crown of life. On Tuesday night in the Emmanuel Institute, um, we're going through the book of Revelations. And when writing to the church in Smyrna, they get a warning. And in chapter 2 of verse 10, it says, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold. The devil is about to throw some of you in prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So Revelation says, be faithful unto death, and you will receive the crown of life. James says the crown of life is promised to those who love God. Faith in Christ and love for Christ they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Um, staying steadfast during trials, um, that steadfastness will grow your faith, then you will receive the crown of life that God has promised to you. Um, so that's what James says about trials. Now we're going to shift our focus, and we're going to look at what James says about temptations. Um, first, we are going to see temptation is presented with a negative command. So when we start talking about trials, we see James presented with a positive command, and now temptation is presented with a negative command. And this command here is simple. James is simply saying, do not say you are tempted by God because he tempts no one. We as sinners are very, very easily tempted. Um, we knew this growing up as kids. We knew that we could get away with some things by saying, hey, mom and dad, I was tempted. Little Johnny tempted me to spit my juice across the table at lunch. So we knew we could get away with it by saying, hey, little Johnny tempted me. And then our parents would probably say something like, stay away from little Johnny. He's nothing but trouble. 
my dad loved the phrase, ride with an outlaw, die with an outlaw. Stay away from Johnny, he's trouble. For now, I want you to think back from when you were a kid and you were tempted to do something by someone. What would your parents have said if you were to walk through the door and say, hey, little Johnny didn't tempt me, God did. Now, my parents are here tonight. Um, they don't attend church every Sunday, but they're here tonight, and even they know that that is absurd. My dad would have said, son, you're crazy. You hit your head. That's cool. God is not tempting you to sin. Um, the reason why that's crazy is what James teaches us next about temptations, and that is that temptations do not come from God. God will allow you to go through trials that test your faith and produce steadfastness, but the same is not said about temptations. Right here in verse 13, it says, God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. You shouldn't say that God's tempting you to sin because it's clear that temptation does not come from God. He tempts no one, and he is not tempted. Some will try to get smart and say, well, God created you. Um, he controls everything. Of course, he's tempting you. But God created us with a free will. And with that free will comes our desires. James says our temptation does not come from God. But instead, what he teaches us next is that our temptations come from our own desires. Right here in verse 14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And when you talk about temptation coming from your own desire, people will try to argue that also. They will say, look at Adam and Eve. The serpent tempted them to eat that fruit. Um, the reason why they bring that up is because being raised in church, you always hear that the serpent tempted Eve to eat the fruit. Um, and if you look back at Genesis 3, you will see the serpent tell Eve the tree is good for you. It'll make you like God, knowing good and evil. It'll make you wise. And then in verse 6 of Genesis 3, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for you, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. We see the serpent didn't tempt Eve here. The serpent might have wrapped it in a pretty wrapping paper and put a pretty bow on it to make it look good. But ultimately, she desired that tree um, to make her wise. The tree reminds me, or this story reminds me of a time when my son Preston was maybe three years old. There was a trend going around on social media. Um, and what you would do is you'd set your camera up facing your kid and you'd hit record and put a bowl of candy out in front of your kid. And you would tell your son or your daughter, hey, you can have this candy, but you have to wait until I get back. And they would walk around or turn around and walk into a different room. So my wife had the bright idea to try this with my son. Um, and we used Pop Rocks as the candy. So we set it up and we walked out of the room. And shortly after we walked out of the room, my son Preston does what most kids do. He looked at the camera looked back at the candy, and looked at the camera, 
and he indulged. And when he indulged, he indulged like a wild animal. No hands needed, dive in straight with the face. And we all know what pop rocks do when you put them in your mouth. They start popping. My wife heard it, and she said, Preston? And before she could finish saying his name, he spit that candy out across the table. He knew he disobeyed mommy and didn't do what he said, what she said. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. Y'all are messed up. You tempted, you tempted your son, and I am here to shed the blame. James says, we did not tempt my son. His desire did. His desire for that candy is what made him eat. So my son desired that candy, and he took and ate. Adam and Eve desired the fruit. They took and ate, bringing sin into this world. Um, next, James teaches us that temptation leads to sin. Verse 15 says, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. When you're a victim of your own desire, um, it leads you to temptation, and that temptation leads to sin. My son desired that candy. Eve desired the fruit of that tree so it would make her wise. He didn't listen to mommy. My son didn't listen to mommy, and Adam and Eve didn't listen to the father, both sinning. Their desire led to temptation, and then that temptation led to sin. Now, moving quickly here, the last thing James teaches about temptation is that sin brings forth death. And here we can see the biggest difference between trials and temptations. Giving in to trials and staying steadfast, you receive the crown of life. Giving in to temptation, that temptation will lead to sin and that sin will bring forth death. Now James is obviously not saying if you sin, you're dead. None of us would be in this room here today. James is warning us, if you give in to every temptation you have, then you're going to start to walk in unrepentant sin and walk farther away from Christ. I think James is talking more of a spiritual death here and not your physical death. Um, so let's recap real fast. Trials start with a positive command. They test our faith and produce steadfastness. Trials produce a faith in a life that lacked nothing. They provide God with an opportunity to provide. And a blessing is promised to those who stay steadfast during trials. Temptations start with a negative command. Temptations do not come from God. Temptations come from your own desires. Temptation leads to sin, and that sin leads to death. So what do we do with this information? After I studied this, I went to work and I asked some buddies, do you think Jesus faced trials like we do? And they all said yes. And most of them referred to Jesus facing trials in the wilderness. But I believe Jesus was tempted more than this. If you were here a couple of Sundays ago, you heard Landon talk about this um, when preaching out of Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Landon went on to say that Jesus was tempted to break every single one of the Ten Commandments. Um, the biggest part of this is the end where it says, yet without sin. Jesus did not sin when tempted. I also asked those same friends if they think Jesus faced trials while here on earth. And every single one of them said yes, and they referred to the cross. Um, I don't know about you, but I think being beaten, mocked, and scorned um, is a trial. I would view it as a trial. Yet Jesus welcomed it with joy because he, he knew it was the only way that we could receive the crown of life. Jesus faced this trial with joy for our sake. So Jesus didn't turn toward sin when tempted, and he t- stayed steadfast during trials, taking it with joy. And as Christians, we can all agree we are to be called, we are called to be Christ-like. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And this is Paul saying, hey, act like me because I act like Jesus. Follow my footsteps because I follow Jesus' footsteps. So if our call and our lives is to be like Christ, then we are called to turn away from temptation and take on trials with joy. When temptation comes your way, be aware that it's from your own desires and fight that temptation. Walk away from that temptation so it don't lead to sin. And when trials come your way, it's okay to be sad, but also take those trials on with joy. These trials are good for you, and they build your faith. 